Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss the need for water safety, repetitive negative thinking patterns, warnings of bed bugs, and Hawaii health improvements. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 37 for the week of June 15th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Alex Ross. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is L55.0, sunburn of first degree. <laughs> Sounds like a court Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> I probably don't even need to say this, but let me tell you. this. Have is- you had this? <laughs> <laughs> I think fact, I've had this before too, believe it or not. I think this has happened to me like four times this year. Wow, dude. You need to that stay would- indoors. Granted, I usually don't go to the hospital or the doctor for a first-degree sunburn, right? Because first degree is like, ooh, it's a little red. Probably should put some aloe on it. That That's it. <laughs> I couldn't imagine going to the hospital for a first-degree sunburn. That would be uh, a little expensive. I, yeah, I suppose <laughs> if like you were potentially um, at risk for some kind of like serious harm to come from a sunburn maybe you would go in and just get it checked out uh that that might be the option right or if you uh, i don't know had a funny looking mole and the doctor needed to (laughs) bill for it they might diagnose you with a sunburn of the first degree Uh so that so that there's a reason for this treatment that you're getting right And with that, let's get right into the news. First up, we have, you can't let this concern slip underwater. The Ohio Department of Health officials are currently emphasizing the need for water safe practices after an analysis of near drowning incidents. These incidents are reported by emergency department personnel on a daily basis. The data shows a clear seasonal trend of these incidents increasing from May to August. It's the second leading cause of death in children ages 0 to 4. While kids can drown in water anywhere, it was found that children aged 1 to 9 are more likely to drown in swimming pools, while those aged 10 to 19 are more likely to drown in natural bodies of water. Recommended safety tips are to fence off areas where there's water, never swim alone, supervise children around any body of water, including bathtubs, teach children how to swim early, use a life jacket, and learn CPR. This reminds me of when I was uh, a kid. We were only allowed to go into the water up to like the middle of our chest. Yeah. And I always thought that was kind of silly, right? Cuz I yeah. can st- I can stand up straight, my arms are above the water, like I could go a little deeper than that and be fine. Um but you know that's kind of what the thinking was is that the- these bodies of water are potentially dangerous and as parents you need to be aware of that and take certain precautions. Though I I find it kind of comical maybe in a dark way, um, that they analyze the data to see that more people drown in the summer. Yeah. Right. Right. I find I that know. very silly. Like, I like, think I knew that. These studies like this come out all the time where it's literally just like, hey, let's confirm the obvious. <laughs> and then right. they end up confirming the obvious. Right. So now, like, we do have an interesting situation going on right now because a lot of people are discovering that the outdoors is a great place to be when nothing else is open. Exactly. Even though things are opening up. I also feel like that these type of warnings probably happen from every state every single year. Right, 
right. I, I think um, this year, part of the thing that's spurring on the warnings, um, we already have had two people who have presumed drowned on Lake Erie. So it, it's one of those things where we got to be proactive always and, and make sure we're continuously reminding people that water can be dangerous. Yes. Um, even as confident as you may feel. So, you know, I, I used to be a lifeguard and I still wear a life jacket on a boat <laughs> because oh, you sure. fall in that water yeah. when it's 40 right. degrees. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Next up, forgetting about your negative thoughts. A study led by University College London found that repetitive negative thinking, RNT patterns, may increase the risk of Alzheimer's disease. The researchers studied 360 people over the age of 55. Participants responded to questions regarding how they think about negative experiences, focusing on RNT patterns. They also completed measures of depression and anxiety symptoms. The researchers found that those who exhibited higher RNT patterns experienced more cognitive decline and memory decline over a four-year period. They were more likely to have amyloid and tau deposits in their brain, both of which are proteins that are believed to cause Alzheimer's when they build up in the brain. Depression and anxiety were associated with cognitive decline, but not with the protein deposition, suggesting that RNT could be the main reason why depression and anxiety contribute to Alzheimer's. So this study is kind of saying that if you get a lot of negative thoughts in your head, eventually your mind's just going to be like, you know what? Forget all of it. Just forget everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what this That's is. That's a terrible way to think about it. It but is. <laughs> no, but it does highlight the connection between your mental health and your physical health, yep. right? And that's an important distinction to make as we kind of grow into this space of taking mental health a lot more seriously. Yep. Because now we even have some kind of evidence that Okay, fine. Maybe you don't think mental health is important, but you need to think it's important up until the point where it causes you physical harm. Right. So, you know, that's a good thing for the mental health advocates. And, and obviously, learning more about this may help open up other treatments as preventative care uh, and continue to help improve our, our health. Next up, don't pester me while I sleep. Experts at the National Pest Management Association reminded travelers to stay alert for pests during Bed Bug Awareness Week, which was last week. Many Americans are excited to resume travel plans as stay-at-home orders are slowly lifted due to, you guessed it, the coronavirus. But it's especially important to be vigilant of these pests. Bed bugs can survive several months without a blood meal. And since many hotels experienced low occupancy for the past few months, bedbugs will be even hungrier. They're generally considered nocturnal and feed at night, but will likely come out during broad daylight for a meal if there were no human hosts for a while. To prevent bringing bedbugs home, travelers should conduct a thorough inspection of their room immediately upon entering. They should report any signs of an infestation to management. Yeah, bedbugs are no joke. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that like bed bugs came back and now they're like still here. <laughs> On one hand, I really hope that the sales teams at all of those pest control companies are like being super proactive and like going door to door at all the hotels like, hey, you better get this checked yeah. out while you're empty 
so that you don't become that hotel that that started the bed bug. Bed bugs. Yeah. First we I had coronavirus. Regardless of, the, of hotel that I'm in, is like, what if there's bed bugs here? Like that could be gross. I like I'll go to bed and I'll be like, oh, <laughs> I'm getting these paranoid thoughts. Like when you start thinking about spiders and you start feeling itchy, it's the same thing. It's just bed, <laughs> which could be potentially worse. You know, bed bugs are literally going to come to you at night. Check your mattresses. Night. And uh, it's right on the seams of the mattress where the stitching is. That's the best place to look, right on the edges. They like yeah. to hide there and just wait. <laughs> Obviously, the more pernicious challenge is bringing those bed bugs home. Yes. Like it's, would... it's one thing to get some bites, which obviously is not good or it's kind of gross, but you don't want to bring that back home. So double check before you go to bed. And then when you get up, check again, because maybe they came out. If you have any kind of bed bug bites, then you probably want to quarantine all of your clothing and luggage. Don't bring it into your house. Yeah, right. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> quarantine. Social distance from your clothing. Exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I'm just imagining someone wearing a large bubble, but their shirt is stretched around the outside of it. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, say aloha to the top state. A new report assessed all 50 states using data from the U.S. Census Bureau, the COVID tracking project, and the COVID19projections.com to determine health rankings during the pandemic. States were compared on data such as death rates, positive testing rates, and transmission numbers. Hawaii has seen the biggest community health improvements since the pandemic began with low death, positive testing, and transmission rates across the board. The islands were also noted as having the lowest COVID-19 current estimated transmission number. That's not surprising to me. Yeah, so I think Hawaii is doing really good in coronavirus because they're so isolated. Right, like, and they, they have they the option of just... Way, right? They could either be really, really bad, and it could be like... like uh, DEFCOM 4 over there, right. right? Or it could be really good because they're just by themselves and they can just cut off all their ports and airplanes. Right. Well, it. think about it this way. They were able to shut down in like March and that's right. before peak vacation season. So the population on Hawaii goes down pretty significantly over the winter. Yeah, exactly. Does it? I don't know. I could be completely it's, wrong on that. Well, they said that it was going to go down in the summer because it's hot. A lot of Hawaii's population, though, comes from vacation goers and traveling, yeah. right? Yeah. And all of their touristy stuff. So you remove that, and then, of course, you remove all the really workers hard. who would usually service that. And then, boom. It's and good. then it, it goes pretty well for them. So nice to see. I wish everyone had the luxury of just shutting down completely and not letting anyone in or out. But I will say... Things are doing better. Um, the numbers to watch right now, I think, are number of new hospitalizations. Yeah. Uh, because testing is continuing to increase, continuing to increase. And so the thing you keep seeing on the news is more and more cases. There's a lot of cases, a lot of cases, a lot of cases. Well, that's because we're testing for them. We have more tests. We're, people are less afraid to go to the hospital and get tested now because they think things are settling down. So we're testing a lot of people. And, of course, that means more positive tests. But what we're not seeing is a corresponding increase in hospitalizations. So that yeah. tells you that the overall number of like actual cases isn't really changing or is going in a, a good direction. And I think we'll continue to see that as the weather warms up and we move into the summer. Hopefully uh, things will return back to some semblance of normal in the near future. Yes, hopefully. 
five years from now when a news report comes out and says the final positive COVID-19 patient has been cured, we'll all look back in this and we'll be like, oh, wow, that happened. And with that, let's go on to our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H. Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol, where we talk about the latest breaches all across the world. First up, we have Accounting for All Stolen Data. National Accounting Organization Chartered Professional Accounts Canada, CPA Canada, discovered its websites was breached by an unauthorized third party. CPA Canada said that Immediately after discovering the breach, it worked with cybersecurity experts to secure its systems and determine what type of information was compromised. The investigation found that over 329,000 individuals were affected. I don't know why they didn't round this up to 330,000 individuals. (laughs) Information included names, addresses, email addresses, and employee names. The organization notified all affected individuals and warned of targeted phishing scams. Here we go again. Everybody getting targeted with phishing scams. That's what Same they do. Thing. That get, that leads me to a pretty good story um, that might be useful for our viewers as we are kind of in this weird time of a lot of people working from home. So my brother-in-law told me that he was nearly fished the other day. Uh, thankfully, all they got was his cell phone number because he got an email that said, hey, it's your boss. I'm about to go in a meeting. Could I get your phone number real quick? And he thought, you know, because we're working from home, the boss might not have his cell phone number. And so he gave it to him. And that's when they texted and said, you know, go buy a gift card and give it to us. And he said, wait a minute, that's not right. And called his boss. Of course, it was obviously a phishing scam. Um, But you got to be careful because you're not necessarily right down the hall. So you might be more susceptible than you usually would be. If you're ever in doubt, reach out to your, your IT department, reach out to your manager and just confirm that this is actually legitimate. Yeah. It's always, I mean, this is like the same story that we've always been preaching about, right? It happens all the time. So. Right. And, and the only difference now is that you might be in a position where it would be reasonable for someone to reach out to you in a weird way, you know, either personal cell phone or personal email or something like that. Now, you might overlook that just because of the difference in setting. So just right. be careful, be on the lookout, and always double check when something seems kind of fishy. Haha, I see what you did there. <laughs> Next up, we have, what's the point of incognito if they still collect data? Google is facing a $5 billion class action lawsuit for enabling data collection in the incognito mode on Chrome. The lawsuit was filed in the court of San Jose, California, and accuses the company of collecting information about what pages people visit despite claiming the mode is private. It allegedly collected data through Google Analytics, Google Ad Manager, and website plugins in both the desktop and mobile version of incognito mode. The company plans to defend itself in the lawsuit since it states in clear terms on its support page that the private browsing mode doesn't hide information on the websites that users visit. The complaint seeks compensation of at least $5,000 for violation of federal wiretapping, and California privacy laws for the millions who have used incognito mode since June 2016. Personally, I use incognito mode for those pesky websites that have those paywalls that say you're using ad blocker. Exactly. I'm always surprised by how many people don't know that you can use incognito to get around things like uh, subscription checks. 
Yeah. You, know, you go to look at a news article and it's like, sorry, you've already viewed too many this month. Just open the link up in an incognito window because the way it tracks those is via cookies. Cookies, yep. And so if you open an incognito browser, it's as if it's a new browser window that doesn't have all those cookies. Um, yes. Now, it, it sounds like they were still doing what they do best, and that is collecting <laughs> marketing data Google so that they can Google do. use it to make money, which yeah. has been Google's business model since you know two years in when they realized they could do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I have been seeing a lot more uh, browser competitors lately, though. I will say that DuckDuckGo is really making a push <laughs> to try and take over some of those that space of consumers who feel like they don't want their data to be tracked. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of in that weird middle spot where I'm totally okay with being the product if the value I get is worth it, right? So Google provides me a very great browsing experience, so I'm happy to kind of pass along some free data. It's really up to me whether or not I want to purchase something because of an ad that I saw. Um, it, it, obviously, there's some gray area there of how effective ads are and yada yada, but you know, I'm, I'm okay with trading some of that for a good browsing experience. There are some situations where I, I say, no, I'm not going to do that. For example, um, loyalty reward cards at a lot of stores. Um, part of the reason they have those cards is because now, even if you pay with cash or three different cards or whatever, they can link all of your purchases to that one individual person. And then they can use that as marketing data to be able to either sell it or uh, help them increase sales. The problem is a lot of those loyalty cards, I don't get any kind of benefit from it right? There's these point systems and maybe one day there's some nebulous prize that you could possibly get. But if it's not giving me like money off or something, I, I'm not using those store loyalty cards. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's the difference for me. Like I'm okay with go what Google is necessarily doing with the incognito tab. Yeah, it I use really it for, for just cleaning and, and you having a fresh browser experience when I need it. But I understand that my data is being collected pretty much at all times. And knowing that, I can take steps to then react to it in the way that I interact online. Yep. It is a very interesting topic. Of course, it happened in California. <laughs> like California has very strict laws as a state in mm -hmm. general, whether it be environmental laws or, you know, this product contains cancer laws because they have a lot of those as well. And then right. also privacy laws. So the, that the claim that Google's making with basically saying like, hey, our support page says that it doesn't hide things, right? That seems like a pretty legitimate defense. And I wonder how this lawsuit is going to play out because it's like the spirit of this product is marketed as if it does this, but it doesn't do that. So, you know, what does Google need to do to either let people know that it doesn't do that better uh, or maybe change the way they market it. Yeah. Agreed. I don't know. Maybe we'll get Incognito Plus here in the near future, right. which is you know, just come with your YouTube Red subscription. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because I hate the YouTube Red subscription because it's just like, do you want this? And it's like, no. And then like, are you sure you don't want this? I'm like, yeah. I'm very, very sure. I'll just watch the five second ad and skip it. Okay. I right. don't care. I don't want your YouTube red. As someone who consumes a lot of YouTube, I also don't use YouTube red. I just feel like I don't get enough out of it. 
they tried really hard for a while to offer like special exclusives and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that was helpful for recruiting, but now it just seems like they, they aren't doing a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And that's it for this week's wrap up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Alex Ross. And I'm Matt Moneypenny. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Bandage. This week's episode was written and produced by eTactics. eTactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative, web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.